is about men coming together to open up and talk about loneliness and talk about insecurity and let their walls down. That's super healthy. That is super healthy. Hi, and welcome to the All Too Well podcast. I'm your host, Erica Huss. I'm a wellness entrepreneur, a wellness expert, and your wellness whisperer, here to make your journey towards better health just a little more comfortable and a little less cringy. And today is a friendisode, I think we're calling it. I don't know what we're calling it. It's a chat with a peer who is somebody that I like to kind of, you know, get in the room with and talk shop. We weren't actually in the same room, but I chatted with my friend and colleague, Kim Marshall, who is a PR maven. She has been a communications expert in the world of wellness for quite some time. And she is the co-founder of Swell, the agency, which is a PR firm focused on the world of hospitality and wellness as well as the host of Global Wellness Conversations, which is a podcast that is presented by the Global Wellness Institute. And I love talking to fellow podcasters because they just, I don't know, they know how to talk, they know how to deliver deliver the message, they know how to use a microphone properly, which are things that should not be overlooked. And uh, we just kind of got into some new trend research that has actually just been published by the Global Wellness Institute. We both had the opportunity to go and see this trends presentation that um, came up a couple of weeks ago here in New York. And it was really fascinating. Basically, the top 10 trends for the year 2024 and beyond were presented, uh, the top 10 wellness trends, I should say. And uh, no spoilers here. You're just going to have to listen. There's some really, really fascinating stuff that's happening. It's really exciting to see that the trends in the wellness space are covering a very wide spread. So there really is something for everybody, which as you know, if you know, uh, is kind of my philosophy and my hope for the world of wellness, that there, it, that it continues to feel accessible and approachable and not just reserved for only people who have the means to access it at the very top of the food chain. So anyway, without further delay, please enjoy my chat with Kim Marshall. Let's go. Here we go. Welcome to you, Kim Marshall. I'm so happy to see you again. Uh, you are, I will do a, an official intro that, that everybody will have the pleasure of listening to, but a co-founder of Swell, the agency, the host of Global Wellness Conversations, the podcast, and also just a wellness industry pioneer in the world of communications, which I love because yeah. I feel like we've been, you know, we were pioneer ladies together. Yep. Yep. And it is so fun to listen to your podcast because I know my heart goes out to anyone trying to put one on, but to be easy to listen to, informed, you know, welcoming, it's a big mix and you got it, girl. So I'm oh, very- thank you. Yeah. Well, I love listening to yours too. I think you ask such smart and thoughtful questions and you really do get to have such a great range of people to sit with you and talk about the global wellness conversation. So right back at you, um, oh. you know, pod to pod, it's nice to be in, in the company of people who understand how <laughs> microphones work. Yeah, or, or try to, one or the other. Um, so a little bit of intel for people listening. We had the opportunity to hang out in person a couple of weeks ago at the Global Wellness Summit's uh, Trend Report Conference, uh, which happens once a year. And I had the honor of being able to attend. And this was specifically really for, for media um, to be able to listen to these new top 10 trends that uh, have been forecast by the Institute. And by the way, just 
incredible statistics, fascinating. Like, I don't really get excited. I don't get like a boner for pie charts, but there were some pie charts that were very exciting. (laughs) I know. It's crazy. Just stop talking about like where dollars are being spent these days in, well, you know, under the header of wellness, but then in the little kind of verticals that they're going, whether it's travel or whether it's home or whether it's Mm -hmm. physical fitness. And there's just so much great stuff that came away from that. I feel like there's still, I'm still kind of percolating on all of it. Well, just to give you a little insight on how far we've come. I mean, when I started in wellness, which was spas, you know, back in 1812, (laughs) literally it was when resorts were just starting to put spas into their plans. And um, I worked in Hawaii and I remember taking Tai Chi on the beach and thinking, what is this? You know, and Mm. the very first International Spa Association meeting and, you know, they used to think hot tub or Spas were hot tubs and massages were questionable, you know, questionable places at best. But anyway, Susie Ellis, the founder of the summit and the Institute knew that you have to put numbers behind it. Mm -hmm. So it's so crazy that they were the first to identify the value. Well, a global wellness economy and its value. And, you know, it went down during the pandemic as everything did, but we were so amazed this year to get the big reveal that it went from 4.4 trillion, the economy with 11 sectors, real estate, travel, hot springs, whatever, to 5.6 trillion. That's the value of it. So to break that down and then be ahead of the trends in it, that's a fun position to be in. Yeah, no, it's incredible. I'm looking at one of the reports here now, 5.6 trillion is the value of the global wellness market or the global wellness economy. Mm -hmm. And within that, just some of the sectors are, you know, nutrition, healthy eating, weight loss is a uh, 1.79 or or 1.079 billion segment of that industry. Uh, Wellness real estate, 498 billion. Um, Wellness tourism, 651. Mental wellness, 181 billion. I mean, these are not small numbers. These are, this is an enormous amount of money that is being poured into these industries. And I mean, part of what I want to talk to you about today is it's for good reason, for the most part, there's definitely this kind of halo around the money that is being spent towards all of us as a culture, feeling better, becoming better, improving, optimizing, whatever you want to call it. But there's also, you know, I think it can raise an eyebrow and say, like, this is an enormous amount of money. And what is it? Is it really doing the things that it says it, it that it's doing? And is it really doing it well? And are we all, you know, not to use that word as a pun, but uh, I think there are two sides of it. And yeah. I, just, I don't know. It's fascinating to me. Well, we, in full disclosure, you and I both attended their masterclass and many of these are free, but it was just reviewing the trends and it was open to discussion. So, I mean, that question that I brought up about weight loss, it just, you know, Zempic, those kinds of drugs, those peptides, really, whether you are the arbiter of quantifying the marketplace, the source of trends, whatever, you also have a responsibility. And that's why I really want to know, what is our role in wellness when it comes to quick fixes Mm -hmm. like Ozempic? You know, because when there's an upside, there's always a downside. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we have to. No, that. I loved your question. Just so people understand. So, one of the trends that was presented was called a wellness check for weight loss drugs. Uh, it was written by Emily Lawrence, and it was literally just that. It was about how this whole segment is absolutely exploding with the Ozempics of the of the world, and now there are multiple, and you know they're becoming less expensive, they're becoming more accessible, and it's a very very loaded topic. Um, oh. You know, I think that. 
it, the, the argument that was made was that there needs to be integration here, that these drugs alone are not the path to becoming healthy in what we consider the traditional sense of the word healthy, because with the drugs and the weight loss also becomes, also comes a massive amount of, uh, you know, of muscle density and muscle loss, which is very, very detrimental to our long-term health and longevity. And I loved that you asked the question, which to be honest, I didn't feel was completely answered by the group because I think there is no answer. But the question is, what role do we have in the wellness industry to, 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 to promote the safety and to promote these, to, to promote the, the whole conversation and present the whole conversation and not just say, these are miracle drugs. Thank God we have them. Because like you just said, I mean, there, there is a downside to it. Well, I love this topic so much because I see that Big food, you know, is stuffing people. You go to Costco and the carts are filled with things that make you want to scream. I, yeah. I say that I have wellness Tourette's. You know, I want to run up to people and say, don't, please stop, don't buy this. You don't understand what that's going to do to your cardiovascular health. And um, so there's a crucial need. It's almost like 49% of populations are obese. I mean, mm -hmm. when you really measure it out. So when people eat emotionally to fill a hole, do whatever, and over the years have not been able, in fact, they get bigger, then yes, we need to do something. Mm -hmm. But I, I went on, I, I do wellness segments on our local Spectrum Southern California station. And the host, Giselle Fernandez, said to me, what about this? Is it affordable? Whatever. I'm like, it will all come down. They'll see the need for it, especially because big farm is going to make more money. But what about lifestyle? Are you going to be on it the rest of your life? When will mm -hmm. you ever learn the law of physics that action, burning calories, eating healthy, taking a walk in Central Park, all mm -hmm. those things matter just as much, right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm of the opinion that, yes, these drugs have been around for a while, but we still don't have that much long-term evidence of what happens when you're on them for years and decades. And you know, whether it's the muscle loss and bone density, I, I, my concern is truly a, just about malnutrition because the idea of, you know, you're not actually consuming enough calories to put on weight, which suggests you are also not really consuming enough calories to function. I, there's still a lot about it, to be very fair and honest. Like, I'm not super well-versed on this topic because it's very <clears throat> polarizing, but I just, I feel like we, to your point, we have a responsibility in the industry to present all sides of it and to say, yes, this is a great pathway to, for people, for people who legitimately need it, not for people who are doing it for cos cosmetic reasons, for people who are diabetic or who have blood sugar and insulin issues, for people who literally cannot lose weight in any other way and that have tried to do it. Uh, it, it is, it can be a miracle, but it also it has to be one of many tools. It can't just be the fail safe. This is the only thing that you do. Yeah. I mean, I know on this topic a while, but it does really capture the attention. I mean, in Hollywood, yeah. they say no one, there's nobody chubby anymore because they're just on Ozempic or a similar yeah. drug, a similar peptide. But I know a woman who was only 20 pounds overweight. She's a petite gal anyway. She had just through the pandemic gotten a little chubby. Oh my God. She on Ozempic or whatever one, whichever one she took, she got so emaciated. She looked yeah. like a 13 year old. And I'm just like, when do you stop? Can you stop? Or is this just an addiction? But when you look at people like Ava DuVernay and Oprah, Oprah has struggled. We all know she shares right. it. But now at 70, gosh, she looks lovely. And yeah, I just don't mean amazing. it for looks, but she's got to feel better too yeah. for not carrying on that extra weight. 
So, but you see her exercising, you see her yes. running and walking and doing things, hiking. So it's a big job to um, completely get it all, uh, get it right. Yes, um, exactly. Um, what I loved about the overall presentation of these topics and these trends was the header here was really that there is, I, I mean, the quote I think that, you know, that we all heard was that there have been more shakeups in the last year in wellness than there have in the last decade. And that is the advent of what they're referring to as hard care and soft care. And they're both really on the rise at the same time. And so hard care has to do with anything that is like super high tech and expensive. And this is like, you know, $100,000 a year longevity labs and, you know, premier concierge medicine and the wearables and everything that's tech enabled. And then at the complete polar opposite end of the spectrum, there is this soft care, which is everything is lo-fi, everything is unplugged, everything is like messy and real. And it's kind of also the, they're, they're both sort of anti-goop in a way and, you know, no, not to knock it, but it, it it is its own kind of paradigm, but it's about, you know, the idea of just walking and uh, and, and having more of like a joyful experience to be your wellness thing. And even if it means you're sitting on the couch all day, if that makes you feel good and you're doing it with, you know, with some parameters, then, then that's what you should do. I love that there is this polarity because I do feel like that is the only way that it's going to feel accessible to everybody. And I'm of the opinion, and I always have been that what is the point of trying to elevate ourselves and our, our health states, if it's only available to the top, 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 top. Um, so with that, I mean, I know I had a couple that, that really resonated with me of these trends specifically. I'm curious to know what resonated with you. Oh, so much, but the longevity has longevity. One is hard to put your arms around. You mentioned it with the hard care, you know, it's very masculine. Mm -hmm. It's very biohackish. And in an upcoming episode, I have interviewed Bill Cap, who's the CEO of Fountain Life, mm -hmm. which is the organization, um, that Tony Robbins helped launch that does body scans, you know, mm -hmm. and they can head off some real severe diseases at the past. If you can pay 20,000, 90,000, 30,000, whatever it costs, then you are equipped to, they interviewed someone at the Global Wellness Summit who was a happy guy, restaurateur, very successful, completely overweight, not terribly, but you know, eating too much. And his wife got one of these scans for a present. So took him and they found early, early stage, I think it was liver cancer, changed the trajectory of their lives. Now he's yeah. thin, saved his life. It's all, you know, but who has 30000 to $90,000? So they believe that price will come down and that we will all, you know, have better access to prevention and advanced, you know, using tech for advanced yeah. knowledge. I'm afraid to look myself. And that <laughs> <was> <laughs> Well, there's, I mean, there's a range, I will say, and I know they kind of, they solve for different problems and different questions, but I did my first DEXA scan a couple of weeks ago. I actually have my consult this afternoon, so I can't what? even share the results with you yet you because did? I don't have them. I did. Um, I did it through one of the apps that's local to, they, they have them in multiple cities. I'm not going to name names because I'm not sure that I loved how it went, but yeah. I got my results and- uh, it, it was three hundred dollars to do. Oh, that's not bad. That's no, not bad. to do the scan, and it doesn't read everything that the ninety thousand dollar ones do for sure. And it's not full blood panel, blood panels or anything like that. But it's it's just another data point. It's a starting place. It's a benchmark. And I think you and I talked about it once before. I also did that medical thermography 
that heat photography. Did we talk about oh, that? I, I, I don't remember that. No, that shit is fascinating. And that is also, it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's available to everybody because $300 or $400 is still yeah. a leap for some people to make, but it is much more in the, the realm of accessible. So the heat scanning thing is just, it's another technology where you get a photograph done of your entire body or your torso or whichever areas you're going to focus on. Most women, if they are going to do it, should focus between like the, the torso all the way up to the neck because it looks at your, um, your thyroid glands and it can see, it detects heat. And so I had, and I've talked about this before, but um, because my mother had breast cancer, I'm very diligent about my mammograms and my ultrasounds, but because I have dense breasts, dense tissue, they still don't pick up as much as they do once there's actually an issue. Um, And so thermography and this like heat photography can essentially find things sooner than an ultrasound or a mammogram. It's fascinating. Yeah. So again, it's just like, it's, it's stuff that I wish that everybody had access to it, but the more we talk about it, the more people find ways to get the access. But yeah, so I did my DEXA. I'm very eager to get my results this afternoon. I'm pretty sure I have low bone density, which is not surprising. Do you have low bone density? I'm sure I do. But you know, the the point (laughs) is pickleball helps, yoga helps, all the things help. You've got to keep fighting back. Oh, right. You're a pickle person. I am. I can't help it. It's so much fun. I think I didn't do enough sports as a as a youngster, and so mm-hmm. this is my substitute. But you know, the um, high tech scanning is so male, right? They mm-hmm. love that. And I met people that are developers of high rise wellness architecture. Everything is so related in these trends because they yeah. they talk about the home as a wellness center. So anyway, they're gonna sell high luxury condos that include a membership in Fountain Life. Mm-hmm. So that not only do you live healthy with clean air and, you know, what do you call, uh, you know, filtered curtains and yeah, all the building materials are yeah. lead certified and all of that. Yeah. But you belong to this and you get these regular scans once a year. So that leads to that trend on men's health. Which I loved. That, what, what's the proper name of it? We should the look proper name of the trend is um, from manning up to opening up. And this is the idea that for a very long time, the wellness industry has kind of catered really to women and women have always been the early adopters and men have been a little bit left out in the cold. And there's been, especially I think post COVID, I hate to say it, but post Trump, I think there has been a, I don't actually hate to say it, it's real. There's been this backswing around male, this like sort of toxic masculine culture that is not working for anybody. And uh, part of that is they've come to that by no fault of their own, because that is the culture that we all kind of grew up in. Um, so there's now a much more concentrated focus f- that that is put on men spending time together in healthy ways and productive ways and ways of, you know, to bond this, this like rise of men's retreats that are really focused not on like sports and kind of smack talk, but more on social, emotional wellness. Uh, they said retreats of this nature are up 200%, which is absolutely fascinating and so exciting to me. Well, I mean, let's face it. Um, you know, men are, I feel so sorry for them because the surveys show that so many say they don't have one close friend if they're single, especially. Right. So men aren't used to like being vulnerable. And in response, you know, my son is 24 and he's a big fan of Jordan Peterson. So we go round and round about that, but you have to say that Jordan does say, get up, make your bed, be a man, you know, don't Mm -hmm. be whining. That part I agree with, but this is about men 
coming together to open up and talk about loneliness and talk about insecurity and let their walls down. That's super healthy. That is super healthy. I mean, how my husband is of a generation where you have to drag him by a rope to therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees it in principle and it makes sense to him, but it's, I just don't know if I want to do that. Right. So right. now the trend is people are, uh, men are opening up to the possibility, which is yeah. really great, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. I think that it's long overdue. And I think that, I, you know, I think there are thought leaders out there, Tim Ferriss, for example, who are at the forefront of a conversation around, you know, self-actualization and encouraging yep. men to really take another look at themselves and how can they improve themselves on a physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, romantic level. Um, and this is really taking it a step further because it is actually putting men in these environments that traditionally would make them feel very kind of uncomfortable and cringy. And they have this sort of natural stoic response to situations like that. And again, we're speaking in generalizations, obviously not every man is like this, but for the most part, our American culture man is, um, and really just trying to kind of deprogram that sense of, I have to be stoic. I have to be, you know, the rock and I have to be the one who, you know, deflect all approaches that might kind of make me soft. And the reality is, like you said, I mean, the vulnerability is actually what displays strength. So I'm just very happy to see that there is actually some sort of an industry response to this and, and that it is creating uh, an opportunity for people to participate. So ladies, if your husband comes across an all-male retreat, send him off. Let send him, him, let him go. He'll come back. He'll come back better. Um, and he'll get some tools. Yeah. But um, one of the really important trends that I just am so passionate about was first, and it should be first, climate adaptive wellness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I live in a, I live in LA and we live up a canyon with lots of trees and unless you watch people will just cut trees down willy-nilly mm-hmm. they don't even think it's like oh the roots all oh, the plumbing all oh, the this all oh, the sidewalk mm-hmm. shut up <laughs> what do you think about air pollution what do you think about cooling things down naturally what is the role it takes 30 years to grow a tree so what this talks about in climate adaptive wellness is that not only are people taking vacations that coincide with cooler seasons like mm-hmm. forget rome in august because you're just going to faint go to Norway or Finland or, you know, the Antarctic. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing, but also buildings. We can't keep air conditioning the world. I mean, it's as straight as that. And so I love the examples they use of countries and cities that are designing buildings that, you know, uh, react to sun and different Mm -hmm. positions of sun in the sky and cool naturally. It's so encouraging. Yeah, no, I loved that. And I loved that even on the ground level, uh, the the existing resorts that, you know, for example, the ones that are in South Texas that need help in the summertime, actually getting people to come and spend time with them, um, are starting to incorporate more programming into their into their DNA that has a focus on nighttime activities, a focus on stargazing, a focus on, you know, moon rituals and that kind of thing, which I've been a proponent of for a long time and ha- have helped some, some hotels develop these programs uh, for their clientele anyway. So again, I'm glad to know that I'm ahead of the trend and I'm glad to know yeah. that it's catching on. Um, um, you know, I've, the other thing that's so obvious, if we just stop for a minute, I don't know why two people that have crossed my path in the last few years work in the field of cement. 
And one guy told me, one of my girlfriends married a guy that has a cement company. They are so wealthy now. I mean, <laughs> since she married him, they have a yacht. They travel all the time because, by the way, did you know cement is the second most populated surface on the planet next to mm. water is cement because wow. the roofs the roads the parking lots nobody realizes so are we thinking when we build a roof i mean do we put grass on the top do we make it green so that it um does the right thing with the beating sun and also planting trees and urban design have yeah. you been to singapore and seen those i have not i've seen the photos trees. and heard about yeah of what they're doing i know i love this idea that urban planning is is completely getting on board with with climate adaptive wellness it's so exciting and fascinating even i love that they were talking about how they that the city of miami has appointed a chief heat officer uh, so which is amazing phoenix yeah, too, in, yeah. in phoenix too yeah yeah very necessary um, well, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that another thing where people are doing more to just cool off is cold plunging mm -hmm. and a really, really wild. Well, you and I went to yep. a hot springs vacation. And I mean, that contrast bathing is amazing. Yeah. Did you did you hesitate to get into the San Juan River at the Springs in Pagosa? I think only I, I wouldn't call it hesitation. Uh, I was. I would. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, we didn't we didn't fight it once we were once we were there. Uh, yeah. It was we were excited, we were nervous, we were completely unclear what to expect uh, because I've done cold plunging in a tub, but somehow it's different when you get into a wild river, um, uh, you know, a natural pool in a wild river. And no, I loved it. I loved it. Just the whole that whole. I mean, the concept is that it really scrambles your cells and kind of helps you reset. Uh, on a metabolic level, and I completely understand how and why it works. It's it's wonderful. But I I didn't tell you. I don't think Darlene, our mutual friend, and I went to the Russian slash Turkish. You bath. didn't. You didn't tell me. Uh, okay, so this is what I call contrast um, torture. So we went, and it, it's in New York. It's somewhere near Chinatown. I don't know. It's down downtown, yeah. and it's affordable. So we go in and it's like a new country. I've had Russian plotskas, I think they're called that, before where they, you know. They hit, hit you, you with branches. Birch branches and birch leaves, not too hard. It's all, and I had a client that had a really lovely banya and that was fine. We could do it. But this one was like rudimentary. Like you go down rickety steps and there's a huge cold pool that you could put like 20 people in and all these sauna rooms. And we happen to just walk in the, the banya room and we're like, oh, my God, that's too hot. We can't stay in here. So we left. And then these two Russian guys said, you want Plotska? And we're like, well, we have to do it. We're here. So they go, follow us. And they hardly speak English, but they lay down. I mean, everyone should hear this because it sounds like torture. They lay down these, like, yoga mats with the towel on. You lay face down. And then they throw a towel, a cool towel on your head. Well, it's so hot in there. And you're on the top rung. And everyone else in the room is staring at you. <laughs> And you, I leaned up and said, I'm going to suffocate. And just then they just throw soapy water. They beat you with the leaves. And I was like, okay, I, I think I'm going to run out of here. I was just like that. And just when I thought I'm going to get up and run, he threw a bucket of ice water on me. <laughs> what? And then you have to roll over, then they stretch you, then they do it again. And just when you're like, I'm going to leave. I really thought the soles of my feet and my calves were burning. And just when you think you're going to scream, another ice bucket of cold wow. water all over you. And then the practitioner will walk over and pour a bucket on his head. And then afterwards, they walk you out and they go, cold dip, five seconds. Then they wrap a <laughs> towel on your head, take you to the roof, and you sit outside to recover. And we're just like, 
what just happened to us? That's amazing. Talk about lo-fi, right? That's exactly, I mean, that's how you do it. And just, you know what? It was super fun. And we're so glad we did. Will we rush back? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> how about, in your opinion, Erica, the power of the pilgrimage, that trend? Yeah, I was just about to say, I I love that one too. Again, it's file under lo-fi, file under soft care. Um, I love this idea. I mean, I think all of us, again, especially during COVID, got more tuned into the idea of literally a mental health walk because we were all cooped up in our homes. And as soon as we were able to get outside in fresh air, I think most people were doing that. Um, But I love that it is not just... um, I mean, it doesn't even feel like you can call it a trend, but it is a trend in that hotels and resorts are responding in kind and they're creating, they're they're restoring trails that, you know, like in Bhutan and in India and Japan and Sri Lanka, they're actually restoring trails that have been the site of many ancient pilgrimages over the centuries. And now there's this, you know, revived interest in it. So that is I think that does good on multiple levels, both for the the trails and and the local community, as well as for the people who are enjoying it. But I just, I love the idea that it is its own form of meditation when you do it right. I mean, we're, we're very used to in hustle culture, you know, we get outside for a few minutes and we get the sunlight and we got our podcast and we're making the best use of the time. I think the idea is, you know, no headphones, no tech, no nothing, just walk, you know, you know, not even talking, but really just walking for, not just a 20 minute thing, but doing kind of hours and hours of what is actually a pilgrimage. I don't know. There's something very romantic and exotic about it to me that I love. Isn't it? And I feel so uneducated that I didn't realize that the 500 mile Camino de Santiago in Spain and its sister road, the Kumano Kodo in Japan have always been popular. Why haven't I done them? And, you know, remember that Reese Witherspoon movie, I think it was called Wild or something, mm-hmm. where you just walk, the, was it the Appalachian Trail? I don't know, Pacific Rim. But yeah, walking, most anyone can do. Yes. And talk about getting in touch with yourself. So it's really wonderful, you know, because when you think, well, I don't know if I could do a triathlon or I don't know if I could do a long bike ride. I don't know. But most people can do a walk. Mm-hmm. So to me, this is an essential submersion experience that people should kind of put on their planning list. So you can order this trend book. It's so detailed. It's hundred and something pages, but there's so many examples. So you can think, oh, I want to go. Where where should I go? Where's the best place to go? So read through it and see what you find. Now, you have never had a baby, right? Correct. Okay. So the rise of- Never have I ever. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I almost didn't. I had mine at 42, so please. But, and you can have that on set hold. My son is held depressing. But anyway- Uh, This rise of postpartum wellness is really Mm -hmm. lovely because, you know, we would just always watch and go like, who's going to get hit with postpartum depression? Yeah. Which, you know, which poor woman is going to suffer through that? Well, now they're talking about heading it off at the pass and making Mm -hmm. sure a woman has time to recover. You know, I was 42, terrifying pregnancy. They call it geriatric. They scared me all through it. They were scares all through it. It's awful. And when this baby finally came out, then um, I couldn't nurse. And the lady would say to me, my baby was born at seven months and one week. So he's only five pounds. And my boob was bigger than him. So you're trying to nurse. And it's so weird. And they they fed him through a tube in the incubator. So he didn't need to suck. And so it wasn't a necessity. He's like, get this thing out of my bed. So you have that, like I'm failing at that. Mm-hmm. Then because he wouldn't nurse, I got milk fever, which is like broken 
glass in your fevered breasts. And then what else? Oh, I know the C-section because they cut and they found, um, you know, thank God, benign tumors, you know, fibroids that I never knew I had and pregnancy makes them worse. So I have five incisions because they took three tumors out and a baby. Oh my God. And now I'm trying to heal. And I'm a super healthy person. You can't really get me down. But you give me milk fever, a screaming child, and sutures that won't heal. And a nurse has to come and pack my wounds um, every day for two weeks. Oh, my God. Until my husband said, no, I can do this. So he stayed home and did it. But let me say, that is a journey to go on. I'm just so happy that, you know, I didn't fall into a pit of despair. But a lot of people do. Yeah. You know, happily, I was just so tickled with that screaming Mimi that, you know, it got me out of it. But isn't it nice to know that there are now programs in place yeah. that give just as much attention to the parents as to the baby? Yeah. And it's also, I loved that it was, it was focused on, postpartum wellness is obviously focused on the mental well-being because it is in such a delicate state at that time with yeah. all of the varying factors. But there's also the element of skincare and sexual wellness. I, I interviewed um, the the chief, uh, I think she's like the chief education officer of Foria, which is an intimacy brand. Right. And they have a whole program that is just focused on new moms because yeah. talk about feeling like you're not yourself. I mean, the, de- the, the, the de- departure between feeling like a sexual being and then becoming a mom, I'm, you know, I, I don't need to have gone through it to understand how absolutely earth shattering that can be. So I like that there are companies that are really focusing on, Hey, we're going to get you back to feeling human in every possible way and get back to your actual state of life because you aren't just a mom. You are still also a woman. And, uh, that, that sometimes I think has been overlooked. Oh, many times. And I can't believe how much space is given to pelvic floor health. Oh, yeah. Lovely. But that's also for men too. I don't know how many people know that, but I actually have relatives that, uh, male relatives that had some massive pelvic floor issues and had to go do therapy for that. And I think the pelvic floor is in general sort of an area that we've really just discovered, even though it's been in us for as long as we've been walking the earth. Uh, but now we're actually paying better attention to it. So, um, I know there's a couple other trends that we haven't touched on, but I feel like this is a lot for people to kind of chew on. So if there's something specific that you want to, that you want to highlight at this stage, then go ahead. But otherwise I think this is like a good place to sort of pause it. Oh, I think sports, you know, that's a really good one when people can incorporate. That's because you play pickleball. That is why. But I mean, <laughs> you never should feel too old to indulge in a sport or try it. And it's really fun to go to a resort that will support that little mm-hmm. adventure. Because there's a lot of loneliness, and I will say that it's so fun to get your girlfriends or your guy friends and be like, okay, we're going to play at four today, no matter mm-hmm. what it is that you play. The other thing is the three-dimensional museum, uh, multi-sensory museum mm-hmm. exhibits. It was random, and I felt like, what's that doing there? But um, then you start thinking of, oh, okay, the U2 sphere or the sphere in Las Vegas, that's very multi-sensory, mm-hmm. and the Van Gogh or the Klimt exhibits where the walls and the thing, you know, and then you'd have a yoga class in there. I mean, Mm -hmm. that talk about multi-sensory. And then I live in LA. So I went to LACMA recently and they're sort of long in the tooth at this point, but their exhibit, you know, the wall words. Yeah. (laughs) They all had a QR code where you went like this and you could hear a Joni Mitchell song that would go with that painting. Mm -hmm. I love that. A a painting, the one with the painting. 
it was really fun to see. So that one is the most unusual to me. And Ari Peralta, who wrote it, is <laughs> just such a magical guy. Um, he's Dominican and he lives in Portugal and he's a PhD, but he puts his heart and soul into it. So if anybody buys the Global Wellness Summit trend report, go deep and then go yeah. to the museum. Yeah. No, I, th- I loved what the- they talked about too, specifically how museums are trying to encourage longer looking. Uh, I think they said that the average amount of time people spend looking at a museum exhibit is 15 seconds. And, Ugh. you know, that's again, in, in the in the hustle culture, it's like you're checking the box, but are you actually yeah. having an experience? Are you actually really letting the art touch you in the way that art is meant to do? I mean, that's really mm-hmm. why we love art is because it moves us and touches us in a different way. So yeah. in, if they can find ways, like you were just describing, to encourage longer looking, then that's beneficial for everybody, right? The, the museum has more of a vibrant feel in it and you as a as the observer I think have more of an experience in just being able to stay with it a little bit longer so oh and I just got to do a shout out because I am so lucky I mean I'm so happy with what you're doing with wellness you're making it so accessible to people on your podcast but I'm so lucky because I get these researchers you know Mm one-on-one and we get to go deep into their journey of why they're focusing on wellness and behind the scenes of the big huge economy and making it human and giving it souls. So anytime, come and join us on Global Wellness Conversations. Yes, I would encourage folks to have a listen to Global Wellness Conversations hosted by Kim Marshall, uh, who I've had the pleasure of chatting with today. And uh, yeah, no, it's great stuff. I'm glad that there is more of an open dialogue about all of this stuff. And thank you for your kind words. I'm, I'm doing my best with my little engine that could. That's what we do. That's what we do. And look, I wish we could take a walk on the Poets Walk this this morning together. I know. Your background suggests that you're in Central Park when actually you are in sunny California and it's 30 (laughs) degrees right now in Brooklyn. So (laughs) keep warm, my friend. And thanks so much. Thank you. Adore you. Thanks for listening to All Too Well, guys. And as always, I am accepting stars, reviews, all of the above. They don't cost you anything and they mean a lot to me. So if you do have time, head on over to Apple Podcasts and throw me a few stars and, uh, you know, just do a good turn. Thanks. Thanks.